This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. You're locked on Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. And tell a friend about the podcast. Let's get all of Leafs Nation in on Locked On Leafs and let's grow this bad boy into the Best daily Maple Leafs podcast it could possibly be. Um, I thank everyone who's here now, but let's grow it and make it the biggest and best podcast out there on the markets. All right. Uh, I know that technically I, I wasn't going to do an additional podcast since I put one out this morning with uh, Tony Ferrari recapping last night's game, but we got like a couple of uh, a couple of newsy items and some sound bites that that I kind of wanted to to discuss and and get to. Um, we got an update on Zach Bogosian, his injury status. I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys know about that. And then a couple of real interesting uh, clips and, and, and chats that the, uh, the Winnipeg Jets have been talking about over the course of the of the day. So we'll talk about that as our kind of Leafs-related conversations. And then I figured, you know what? We haven't had a discussion about what's going on outside of Toronto and outside of the Canadian market in quite some time. So with that, let's take a peek around the league. Let's see what's going on in the playoff races in the East, the Central, and the West. If there even is a playoff race, again, we haven't talked about it. There are, obviously. But we're going to chat about those. And then also, kind of, uh, if we got some time with just 10 games to go to find out who the front runners are for the major league awards, right? We've got the, I think, the Rock and the Art Ross are probably pretty much locked up. Matthews, um, at his rate, is probably going to win the Rocket. McDavid is going to win the Art Ross. But who wins the heart? The Vesna, Norris, Jack Adams. Who's going to be the rookie of the year? It's no longer, no longer a runaway for Kaprizov, and I'll explain why later on in the podcast. But first, let's get to the um, the Toronto Maple Leafs information first. Let's let's get that uh, out of the way so we can get to that and then get to some around the league news. So uh, first and foremost, Zach Bogosian uh, left the game a few nights ago with an injury and uh, well, Sheldon Keefe gave us a bit of an update on that today. So I will just uh, hear Sheldon Keefe on Zach Bogosian's timeline. Hi everyone. First up, uh, we have an update on the status of Zach Bogosian. He had an MRI yesterday on a shoulder injury. Uh, which revealed that he'll have to miss a minimum of four weeks here. So um, his rehab process uh, begins, and we'll look to try to get him to full health as soon as we can. All right, so Zach Bogosian out of the lineup for at least four weeks. So that's pretty much going to take him up to the to the playoffs. Um, maybe... Yeah, pretty much to the start of the playoffs. So he's done for the year. So that uh, th- that that takes away that third pairing, and and now this is a couple of things. So this allows Sandine to really take control of a roster spot here, and and now there's no excuse to not play him 
on a nightly basis, I think. Uh, he, you know, he can can play the right side, but, you know, I think last night we saw Dermott and Sandine play in a line together. We'll probably see that quite often. And maybe Ben Hutton gets introduced here a little bit. Um, I, I messaged a couple of guys around the league to see, you know, was Hutton playing on the right side in Vancouver? Nah, not really. How about in L.A.? Nah, not really. San Jose? No, not really. Or uh, not San Jose, Anaheim. And they said, ah, only in a pinch, you know, with injuries. And, I mean, I guess we're in a pinch with injuries. But I don't think Ben Hutton is going to be the answer uh, to replace Bogosian. And that's probably going to end up being a combination of um, not Timothy Lilligren, like I was just about to say. Although we could see Lilligren get an opportunity, get a call up, and kind of see what he's got. He is a natural right-hand shot, uh, which I'll discuss in a moment. But uh, it's going to be Travis Dermott, who is comfortable playing on the right side, and it's also going to be Rasmus Sandin, who can play on the right side in a pinch if you need him to. And uh, So that's kind of going to be what we see out of this D pairing. I think uh, for a while we'll probably see Dermot and Sandine. Um, and then eventually perhaps you end up tossing in a uh, Ben Hutton and maybe you shift Sandine over or you take him out for the night. Uh, but that that's probably going to be the way it's going to work. The biggest issue that I have here though, is, is this now kind of leaves the Leafs with just one right hand shot um, the rest of the way. Right? That's Justin Hall, assuming they don't bring up Lilligren, who is a natural righty as well. But the way that things are right now, Justin Hall is the only natural righty on the team. And that that's that's something that I think matters a little bit. Um, and it's it, it makes me wonder why. And I had said this before, a guy like Jordy Ben, I thought would have been a good addition because he could play both sides. Um, but I, I wonder why they didn't, address maybe a right-hand shot at the deadline or someone who's comfortable playing the right side because they already knew that they had been or they already knew that they had a bunch of lefties but they didn't really have somebody should Hall or Bogosian go down a natural right-hand shot to to fill in uh but what can we do now that that obviously is is over and done with you can't make any more trades you can only deal with the the hand that you now have dealt and it's going to be a combination of Hutton uh Sandine uh, uh Dermot and perhaps Lilligren if they decide to give him a shot and see what he can do cuz i think Lilligren probably will have to make himself uh, like he'll probably have a presence on this team next season, at the very least. I, he's at that point now. He's like three or four years uh, removed from his draft. It's about time for him to to make an impact as a first rounder. So we'll see if he ends up getting the call up. But with four weeks, uh, Bogosian's gone. That, that that misses that jam because he's actually played well this year. I think Bogosian the fr- like the take the first game out where I think everyone's like, oh no, this guy does not look good. He's not skating well. He's not making good decisions with the puck. Uh, this is going to be atrocious. And then he he quickly turned things around and has just been steady. You know, he's not someone who's playing top four minutes. He's he's only playing you know fourteen minutes a night, and and that's and that's his role, and that's that's what you ask of him, but. I, I I think that they're gonna miss his jam a little bit, and and because you know Dermot's not really that kind of guy, uh, Sandine's not really that kind of guy. They're not gonna drop the mitts, and Hutton's not that kind of guy either. And neither's Lilligren if they decide to bring him in. So you know he there is something that they are going to be missing a, a little bit. And uh, speaking of jam, speaking of jam, 
that brings me to the the next kind of topic of conversation that was going on in, in Jets and Leafs land today. Obviously, tonight being the off night in between a, a back-to-back here with the Leafs and the Jets. And so... Paul Maurice uh, and Mark Shifley and, and the Jets, they, they basically came out and essentially called the, the Leafs dirty, right? They, they just said, yeah, they're, they're, they're not playing well. They're playing dirty. It's a rivalry. And Joe Thornton actually was given a $3,000 fine for his interference hit on, uh, on Matthew Perot last night. And then, obviously, Galchenia got that kind of headshot on Adam Lowry, who is now going to be day-to-day with an injury. Um, so, so they're not too happy with the dirty play of the Maple Leafs last game. And I use dirty with the little hand quotations, finger quotes, because I think that's just preposterous. Absolutely preposterous. The Maple Leafs of all teams to call them dirty, they, are, they have been called by this fan base, by myself, by Tony, by anybody who talks about this team as extremely soft. Like the, the, there's a lot of like games where there's no reaction, no uh, no emotion from these guys. If you know a, a goaltender gets gets hit uh, or sandwiched or a big hit happens, there's not often a physical altercation or a response from anybody on this team. We saw that a little bit from Wayne Simmons earlier in the year, but we haven't really seen that from anybody else, right? And, and speaking of Wayne Simmons. Here's what he had to say in response to those comments made by the Winnipeg Jets. Every time we've played them, they've tried to come and run us out of the building, start games. So we come back and we're physical and now we're a dirty team. Um, I, I don't I don't buy that. I just think we're, you know, we're defending ourselves. We're playing the game physical and it's playoff hockey. Exactly. There was absolutely nothing dirty about those those hits last night. I understand they didn't turn out well. And, and they, they were, you know, not the best of hits. They weren't the cleanest of hits. But it's not like they were intentionally. I mean, Joe Thornton is not a goon. It's Joe Thornton. Are you going to sit there and call him a dirty player? Or he plays the game dirty? Come on. Come on now. That's just insane. I mean, everybody makes a mistake, and, and that's what Thornton did with that hit. He, he took the penalty. He got his fine. All right, move on. But they're going to come out and say that, no, nah, they're, they're just a dirty team. You know, they're, uh, they're a little lighter in the, in the bank department. I think I heard Paul Maurice make some quip joke about um, not didn't quite come out and say that they were dirty, but did say that uh, they were a little poorer today than they were yesterday due to the fact that they got a a $3,000 fine um, for a a poor, dirty hit. Like, I just, I I don't, I don't think that's a really, like, necessary thing to say about the Maple Leafs. It's just flat out pure wrong. It is not a dirty team. And, and, you know, Wayne Simmons is right. I'm glad that they finally came out and, and played a little bit aggressive and, and took some hits. It's not like they were taking runs. They were just finishing checks and, and, and hitting people in the like with their body. And, and, and that's hockey. That is playoff hockey. And with 10 games to go, ramp it up. Get the physicality going. Let's go. You know, Simmons is right. You know, that's playoff hockey. It's playoff brand hockey. And that's what I think they need to do to play against the Winnipeg Jets. They are a heavy team, right? They've got some big bodies. They've played out in the West Coast for years since coming into the NHL, and that has traditionally been known as a heavier 
a heavier conference, a heavier division. They play a much stronger game. And then the one time that Toronto finally says, all right, let's go, let's let's finish our checks and play up to par with the physicality part of the game, all of a sudden they're dirty. That's just preposterous. Absolutely silly. But I can tell you what, there's going to be a response tomorrow from Winnipeg, which I hope Toronto answers the bell and also responds to that response. Like tomorrow, I get the sense this is going to be a physical game. Playoff-type emotions in this game. I think these two teams are under, under, they understand that they are the two top teams in the division. If they can wear each other down here as we approach the playoffs, I think that they know that they are in a better, they're going to be a better situation, right? And you want to get those wins over each other so that you can win the division. And I, I said this the other day, and I, I do believe it to an extent that home ice advantage doesn't necessarily matter as much this year as most, since there's no fans here in the Canadian division or in the North division. But you still get that last change, right? And I think that is important, especially with with two teams who are so deep. You want to be able to match up well. So if you're Sheldon Keith, you want to be able to match up your your Muzzin and your Hall, who didn't play well last night. But you want to get them matched up against you know the Shifley Connor line. You want to make sure that they're out there and shutting down their top threats. You you don't want Maurice to see that you got Sandine and Dermot on the ice and throw over his big boys. And that's what's going to happen in in the playoffs if they don't end up winning this division. So the best way to win the division is to win games. And if if the Jets, who play a physical brand of hockey, if that's what they're going to do, I I want the Leafs to match it. And that's what they did last night. And I think they're going to be doing that going forward. I hope they do. I will not be shocked to see a fight tomorrow. Will not be shocked. And I, I, it probably won't be Galchenyuk, who, who sidelined Adam Lowry, which I'm sure they are not happy about. It probably will end up being Wayne Simmons who's going to have to answer the bell for that one. But I would be shocked if there's no fight tomorrow within the, the, the first couple of minutes of the game. It's, it's going to happen. I, I just know it's going to happen. Maybe Jordy Ben will end up dropping the mitts again. Remember that Ben and Simmons fought earlier in the year back when he was in, in Vancouver? That was a decent tilt. I mean, Ben took some shots. He took some shots. Maybe he has to uh, come in and win over his new teammates by dropping the gloves and having a nice tussle with, uh, with Wayne Simmons. I'm excited for tomorrow's game. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a fun one. I'm expecting a big response from... from uh, from Connor Hellebuck, he came out today too and said he didn't think he deserved to be pulled. Buddy, you allowed three sh- goals on six shots, and all three of those, Kyle Dubas's grandmother, Marietta, could have stopped him. Speaking of, do you guys see that tweet of Marietta Dubas calling? Uh, so, why do we keep getting the same chooch officials every single game? I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> if you're not following uh, Marietta Dubis on on Twitter, is Dubis's grandmother, and she is hilarious. Go make sure you're following Grammy Dubis. Uh, it is absolutely hilarious, and she put out a pretty solid tweet about the officiating last night. Um, all right, let's take a, a quick break, um, and then when we get back, let's take a peek around the league. Take a look at the scoring races, the trophy races, and uh, we'll do all that after a word from our show sponsors.
All right, welcome back to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your daily podcast on all things Leafs. Mike DiStefano, the host of this program, with you. Uh, look, we always talk about the Maple Leafs, and that makes sense. This is a daily Leafs show. This is what we cover. We rarely go and talk about what's going on in the States. And and, and usually, even if we, we veer away from Toronto, it's still, you know, divisional-centric. But now with we're in the final stretch here until the playoffs. Let's take a peek around the league and let's see what playoff races are starting to heat up. Because there's not much of a race here in, in the North Division. I think we can agree with that. The four horses that are there right now are going to be the ones in the race come mid-May. Right? You got Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Montreal. There is an outside chance that Vancouver goes on a holy moly run and could supplant the Habs, but I doubt it. They just got shut out by Ottawa 3-0 the other night. I I, I, I mean, sure, they just swept the Leafs and looked decent, I suppose, doing it. They well, looked okay doing it. They ended up with four full points, but then they, they followed that up with a stinker against the Sens. I, I just don't see that that run coming. So I think there, there's really no playoff race here in the North. So let's take a look and let's see what's going on in the other divisions. And let's start off by taking a peek at the uh, the Honda West division. And we got the the Honda West is actually the only two teams who have locked up playoff positions, and that's the Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche. The only two teams in the league that have locked in playoff positions because the fourth place team, Arizona, St. Louis, San Jose, none of them can can catch either of those two teams. They are on tears. You got Vegas who's won eight in a row. Colorado has won five in a row. And they've both won nine of the last ten games. And then you've got Minnesota coming in third in this division who's on a five-game winning streak winning seven of their last ten points and eight of their last ten. So that those are the th- the top three here. So I, I'm good. So Vegas, Colorado, and Minnesota. Sixty eight points for Vegas. Sixty six points for Colorado. And then you've got sixty one points for Minnesota. All three of those teams are going to make the playoffs. Uh, you know, Vegas or Colorado is down by two points, but has two games in hand. Technically, they're leading in the points percentage uh, over Vegas when it comes to the division lead. But let's focus on what's going on at the bottom, right? So Minnesota has yet to clinch, but they got 61 points, where the fourth-place team, Arizona, currently has just 45. So I imagine Minnesota is only a win or two away from finally clinching the point or an Arizona loss away. There, it's This is going to be over pretty quick. We'll have one, two, three. But for the four, fourth spot there, we've got Arizona with 45 points, St. Louis with 44, and San Jose somewhat kicking around with 41. And the only reason why I say they're somewhat still in it is because they have a game in hand on Arizona, and if they win that, it's only two points between those two clubs. And L.A. is also somewhat in the race here with 40 points, but with four games in hand on Arizona. So this, this is might be the, the biggest race where you have like the most teams still involved for a playoff spot. So Arizona, St. Louis, San Jose, and Los Angeles all still battling for a playoff spot. I'm going to go ahead and make the make the prediction that St. Louis 
will finish uh, as a top spot. They currently are in fifth, but ahead in points percentage. They've got three games in hand on Arizona and just one point back. St. Louis is definitely a better team than the rest of those three that I mentioned, Arizona, San Jose, and L.A. So I, I think that this is St. Louis's to win uh, and and get themselves into the playoffs. And and that pretty much is actually the, the exact four teams that I had predicted at the beginning of the year. Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota, and St. Louis. Maybe even in that order. <laughs> Maybe in that order, because I was really high on, on Minnesota. Uh, and so that's going to be a, a decent race to, to keep an eye on, where Arizona has nine games left, St. Louis has 12, San Jose has 10, and L.A. has 13. So they have the most games remaining, and we'll see if they can pull it off. You know, they're definitely not out of it. They're trying to win. Trying to win, and uh, it's tough, tough to do because they're all just losing games to Vegas, Colorado, and Minnesota. <laughs> like, it's it's actually quite humorous. You take a peek at, like, the streaks within these teams Vegas is on an eight-game streak. Colorado's on a five-game streak. Minnesota's on a five-game streak. And then Arizona, St. Louis, uh, San Jose, and Anaheim all on losing streaks. (laughs) So we'll see how that one ends. Uh, Let's take take another peek here. Moving to the Discover Central division where, surprise, you've got the Carolina Hurricanes at the top of the division. Who's talking about the Carolina Hurricanes right now? Not enough people. Not nearly enough people. They're one point shy of the lead in the league. The league lead, one point shy. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible, especially when you think about the fact that Peter Morazic, their starting goaltender, has been was out. He's back now. He's back for, for a couple of weeks, but was out for a majority of the season, which is just... Unreal to me that they were able to withstand that and still be atop of this division that has the Tampa Bay Lightning in it. Carolina has three points up on Tampa Bay with a game in hand. I think they're going to win that division. They're a good team. Really, really solid, well-balanced, well-rounded out team. Followed by the Florida Panthers, maybe one of the biggest surprises of the year in second place in this division with 65 points. Uh, But Tampa technically ahead in points percentage with 64. And then you take a look at the race for that fourth spot. You've got Nashville, Dallas, and Chicago. Uh, Currently, Dallas ahead by one one one-tenth. No, one one one-thousandth of a percentage in the points percentage. But currently down 52 to 50 to Nashville. And then Chicago has 49 points. So this one's going to be a good race because I think these are, are three decent teams. Like Pat Kane, Patty Kane just put the team on his back and, and really bring Chicago to some victories here. But I also like what I'm seeing out of out of Dallas as of late. You know, they, they had a tough start to the year. They were hit with the COVID bug real early on. And they've kind of had to to pick things up uh, over the last little bit. They they're six two and two points in eight of their last ten, and they're just two points out of of Nashville. But they got two games in hand, 
And I like what they're doing. This Jason Robertson kid, we're going to talk about him a little bit later on when we talk about uh, why Kaprizov is not, you know, guaranteed to win the Calder. He is having an outstanding year for Dallas. And, uh, you know, he's like nearly putting the team on his back and bringing them to the promised land. Him along with goaltender Jake Ottinger, another rookie who's playing fantastic for him, for them. Um, Anton Kudobin as well, doing some really good things. Like Dallas, they're just, you know, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And they're getting themselves right back into this race. And uh, just two points back in Nashville with two games in hand. I I like Dallas to finish with that four spot, and we'll see Carolina, Florida, Tampa, and Dallas as the final four heading to the playoffs in the Central Division. That's my prediction. All right, let's move on to the Mass Mutual East Division, where we have Washington atop of the division with 64 points, Pittsburgh with 63, the Islanders with 63, and then Boston with 60 I'm probably going to say that this is pretty well done. I The Rangers are eight points back of the Bruins, but the Bruins also have two games in hand on them. So I think this one is done. And at this point, this is just a race for seeding within the East Division. Because between one and four, it's four points. Four points. And Boston's got two games in hand on each of those three teams ahead of them who, again... You win both those games that they have in hand, which as of now, they are what I think they're leading. Actually, they're trailing the Buffalo Sabres as I record this uh, two to one in the second period. Um, So maybe they'll squander that. But they've got a few games against Buffalo and New York going forward uh, or Buffalo and I think New Jersey, maybe even Philly. A couple of games. Uh, They got a real easy schedule the rest of the way, pretty much, is what I'm trying to say. Um, And they could could end up going from four to one pretty darn quick. They're on a six-game winning streak. Uh, Taylor Hall has fit in seamlessly with this team like like I thought he would. Um, He he really gave them a a little bit of, of depth, something that they just haven't really had. Some secondary offense. Is he scoring goals like we thought he would? Not necessarily. But he's driving play and he's making things happen, which is really, really exciting to see. You know, the Rangers are making a push here, right? They're 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 a real good team. And I think it just took them too long to figure things out. But you take a look at the goal differential, plus twenty-seven. Plus twenty-seven goal differential, and they're not gonna make the playoffs. That's how good this division is. Philly, they've fallen way out of it. Uh that's just a dumpster fire there. I would be shocked if Elaine Vigneault uh, is able to keep his job after after this season. That was a that's a pretty bad year for for Philly, who a lot of people pegged as potentially one of the the teams that could make it out of this division at the beginning of the year. So yeah, Washington, Pittsburgh, the Islanders, and Boston. There's no race there. They've they've pretty well uh, solidified the four spots. I don't even know who's going to win this one. This is maybe one of the most fascinating races uh, when it comes to winning the division uh, out of all four of of the divisions. Like I, I really do believe it because they're all so tight and they're so close to each other. Like I don't know if anybody really stands out as as the best team, as the better team. You know the way that they're all playing too. It's it's really incredible. Um, it's going to be a fun. Series like this divisional series, this Mass Mutual East. Besides for what's going on here in the North, I think this is the one that I'm gonna be keeping an eye on because this is gonna be the most balanced, 
and the most like heated series. All four of those teams are pretty heavy teams, really playoff savvy teams as well. I'm excited to see what they can do. And that's going to be a fun, fun final 10 games. We got nine games left for Washington, Pittsburgh, and the Islanders. You got 11 games. We'll go down to 10 games after tonight for Boston. It's going to be a good race these final, final couple of weeks here in the East Division. So, that uh, I guess that those are my thoughts on what's going on in the the uh, playoff race around the rest of the league. Um, when I come back, I will very quickly, since we're kind of running out of time, discuss some of the award front runners and, and and league awards going on with ten games to go. So we'll do that after a word from Bilt Bar. I got to tell you guys about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. And the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. They've got 18 amazing flavors and six brand new flavors that you want to check out. My favorite, cookies and cream. It is fantastic. But they also got caramel brownie, cherry barcia, carrot cake, apple, almond crisp. And that goes along with the other 12 original flavors. And we already know how much I love myself, my peanut butter brownie. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And best of all, the Built Bar is healthy, folks. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or gal who's looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. Let me tell you a little bit about the Peanut Butter Bar. It's got 19 grams of protein, just 180 calories, just 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams of net carbs. I'm telling you. These bars are healthy, they're delicious, they're amazing. You just got to go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll receive 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. Hello and welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. Let's now transition and talk about some player awards. And I'll try and keep this one rather quick. I ranted on a little bit when it came to the playoff races. But uh, like I said, I haven't talked about what's going on around the rest of the league in quite some time. So I was just kind of going. I was like, hey, I can talk about something else. Nice. I want to take advantage of it. And uh, and I, I did a little bit. So we'll keep this one a little bit short um, because I think with 10 games to go, a good majority of these probably are already locked up. Like the Rocket Richard, I think Matthews is is running away with it at this point. The Art Ross, McDavid is running away with this at this point. Um, I saw a stat today that I couldn't believe what I had heard. If you took away all of McDavid's secondary assists, he would still have more points than everybody in the NHL besides his teammate Leon Dreisaitl. That's how impressive McDavid is. If he's not scoring goals, he's setting up the goal. And I think that's why I have him as the heart front runner right now. Just because you look at how many goals and how much how many how much offense is is put up by McDavid with the Oilers, it's basically all of it. <laughs> like it really really is. Like there is nobody more valuable to their team than Connor McDavid. And I understand well they have Leon Draisaitl. That makes it a lot easier for him. But, like, he doesn't play with Dreisaitl that often. It's a treat when they play together, and they rack up tons of points when they do, but they also play really well without each other, and they kill it. They drive their own lines, and then they just happen to go into Super Saiyan mode when they're together. But to me, Connor McDavid, 
when I saw that stat and I look at how many primary points that this guy's involved in and how much offense he actually generates for his team, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to win this Hart Trophy. I want to say it's Austin Matthews. I really do. But it's just, it, it, he hasn't been anywhere near as consistent as McDavid. Is he important to, to the Leafs? 100%. But to me, McDavid, like he's, he's the best player on the planet, man. He really is. I know this is a Leafs podcast and you want to say Matthews, but let's let's not be overly biased here. McDavid's the best. And I think that the season that he's having has been incredible. Absolutely incredible. And he should be rewarded with the MVP. All right, moving on to the Vezna Trophy. Andre Vasilevsky, probably the front runner, but I do want to bring to attention the year that uh, Philip Grubauer is having here with the Colorado Avalanche. So I'm going to compare the stats here. And, yeah, so I'll do a quick comparison. And, and these are just basic statistics right now. But Vasilevsky, in 36 games, 27 wins, a 9.30 save percentage, and a 208 goals against. Philip Grubauer, in 34 games, he has 25 wins, a 9.20 save percentage, and a 2.00 goals against with five shutouts. I think Vasilevsky will probably end up winning the award, but Grubauer definitely has made a big push, in my opinion. 100% he's made a big push. Marc-Andre Fleury also... Deserves to be at this conversation. 31 games, 21 wins, 926 save percentage, and a 209 goals against with five shutouts. Flower, the guy who Pittsburgh gave away and paid Vegas like two second round picks to take this guy off their hands to keep Matt Murray who they traded away a couple years later to Ottawa and now have Tristan Jari. It's actually incredible. People forget how good Marc-Andre Fleury really is and what he's doing with that club in Vegas is is special, and he's certainly going to be on the ballot. I think those are my three guys. Vasilevsky probably takes the edge here, but I think Grubauer is is certainly making a case for himself. He's, He's in there, and he's in the conversation and I think he'll get some first-place votes. I really do believe he will. Uh, the Norris. I mean, this one probably locked up, I would say, uh, with with Victor Hedman. He, he's just, like, the best player. Like, at the end of the day, he, he's the best defenseman in the NHL. There is absolutely nobody else that really comes close when it comes to when it comes to that. I'm just trying to uh, take a look here. Okay, so there it is. Uh, Victor Hedman in a three-way tie here for uh, the points lead amongst all defensemen with John Carlson and Adam Fox. I would say these three are probably probably going to be the the three finalists when it comes to uh when it comes to this I I would say but I think it's pretty impressive that Victor Hedman 
He's able to do this on a on a nightly basis, and he's just as good in his own zone as he is offensively, if not better. Like he's the he's the best all around defenseman in the league, and as great as John Carlson's numbers are, you know, ten goals, uh, thirty two points, or ten goals, thirty two assists, forty two points, um, twenty seven of them even strength, which actually is quite impressive compared to Hedman's uh, 19 even strength points. I'll, I'll say that. that That is actually very impressive. Uh, I still look at Hedman as the best all-around defenseman, and I don't think it's really that close. Um, Adam Fox is an interesting one. He's having a breakout campaign, 42 points along with those guys. Uh, technically, as of now, at the recording here, uh, has one less game played than them. So leading in points per game, uh, would be Adam Fox in that race. Uh, but, but you know, I just wanted to make sure that I gave him some love here. But I think this is probably also pretty much wrapped up with Victor Hedman. Uh, Jack Adams. There's really only two, te- two players or two coaches, sorry, that I think deserve consideration here. Um, and it's the Carolina Hurricanes with Rob Brindamore, who currently second in the league, uh, first in the Central Division, and then also the team just behind him, the Florida Panthers, second in the division uh, with 65 points. And I say Florida because this team typically, or this, this award typically goes to those who surprise. And I don't think anyone expected to see this out of the Florida Panthers. I mean, they got rid of Evgeny Dodonov and Mike Hoffman Aaron Ekblad goes down midway through the year, and they just kept, keep, kept rolling. Just kept rolling. Carter Vrag went down, and they're still rolling. I think that he, Coach Q has done a great job with that team, and I probably, with 10 games to go, I do wonder if it's going to go to whoever ends up winning that division. Right? Because I, I don't think... He, I, Anyone expected anyone but Tampa to win that division and for both Brendan Moore and Quenville to have their teams up in the top here over Tampa Bay, I think is impressive. And Brendan Moore has been a, a really good coach for a, a while now with Carolina and hasn't quite gotten like that notoriety as other great coaches have. Where Quenville, he he has a notoriety. He is a Stanley Cup winning coach. Everyone knows that, and I wonder that's why maybe Brendamore ends up winning it. Like at the, I, I'm going to go ahead and say whoever wins the division, whether it's Florida or Carolina, that's who's going to end up winning this award, Brendamore or Quenville, depending on who wins. That's that's my opinion on the Jack Adams. I think it's a two-horse race between those two teams. Uh, the Calder, this is also a two-horse race with Kirill Kaprizov and Jason Robertson. Now, a lot of people are like, really? Robertson? I thought this was going to be Kaprizov, and he was going to run away with it. What's this Robertson kid doing? I I don't even know who he is. Yeah, he doesn't get a lot of play. He really doesn't, which surprises the heck out of me because of how unreal of a season he's having for the Dallas Stars. So Kaprizov's got 38 points in 45 games, 19 of them being goals. So he leads all rookies in points and goals. But Jason Robertson, in less games played, he's got 14 goals and 36 points and actually leads Kaprizov 
in points per game and points per 60. And overall has more even strength points than Kaprizov because he does not just rack, rack it up on the power play. He has one of his 14 goals are on the power play. Four of his, uh, or five of his 36 points in general are on the power play. 23, no, what's he got? 32, sorry. 32 even strength points compared to Kaprizov's 29. And he plays two minutes less per game than Kaprizov. Robertson, to me, if I'm voting, is my MVP. Or, sorry, is my rookie of the year. That's who gets the Calder to me. And then after that, uh, it's kind of like basically uh, like a free-for-all of like a bunch of different goaltenders. Um, <laughs> I was actually shocked to see how many rookie goalies are killing it this season. Um, you think about Alex Nedeljkovic in Carolina. Remember I mentioned Peter Mrazek went down. Well, the reason why they didn't falter is because they had this rookie goaltender come in and play phenomenally. He went 12-4-2 this year with a 9.33 save percentage and a 187 goals against with three shutouts in 18 appearances. That is amazing. And if this guy was played a whole season... These are Vesna caliber statistics. These are the this this would he be considered the best goalie in the league this year. So he's going to be up there, and he'll have an opportunity to do it. But at just 18 games played, I just don't know if he'll end up being able to to get enough games in to warrant winning this award. But while he's played, boy, has he been outstanding. Uh, you think about Vitek Vanacek, who's essentially taken over as like the number one in Washington. He's played 31 games this year, gone 17, 9, and 3 with a 908 save percentage and 277 goals against. Started off really good. He's kind of fallen to the fallen down a little bit, but he's been up and down. But this guy really kind of saved them when Samsonov couldn't play a lot. And and he kind of just weathered the ship. So uh, Vitek Vanacek, think about Kevin Lankinen, how hot of a start he got to out in Chicago. Again, someone else who kind of fell back down to earth a little bit, but still 33 starts for him. I don't think anyone expected to see that. Igor Shosturkin, no 920 save percentage out of him. Ilya Sorokin, 12-4-1 record this year in 17 starts. A 202 goals against, three shutouts. There's a lot of really talented, talented players. Jeremy Swayman for the Boston Bruins. Just six games in the absence of uh, Tuka Rask while also Yara Halak was on uh, uh, COVID, the COVID list. Came in in six games. He went 5-1, and one, had a 943 save percentage, a 165 goals against with a shutout. He was somebody who Buffalo was asking for in the trade for Taylor Hall, and they said, nah, we're going to keep this guy. Yeah, no wonder. He looks pretty darn good. <laughs> he looks pretty darn good. Um, so, yeah, there there are a lot of fantastic young rookie goaltenders this year. Capo Kakinen, I didn't even talk about. He's won 13 of his 19 starts um, with the, you know pretty solid stats with – kind of becoming the number one in Carolina uh, at times. He's kind of splitting duties with with Cam Talbot, but you know he's another guy who's come on the scene and, and played exceptionally. A lot of young goaltenders this year who have 
kind of made their mark in the NHL. It's quite impressive. Quite impressive. Uh, All right. I think that's going to do it for me here on the pod. Uh, I guess it went a little bit longer than I intended on, but eh, it was fun just talking some hockey. Something other than the Maple Leafs for once, too. So hopefully you guys... uh, didn't didn't get annoyed about that talking about anything else other than Toronto sometimes is 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 a no no I guess with some of y'all but hey I want to just get my thoughts on there I'm not just a Leaf fan I'm a hockey fan and I assume a lot of you guys are as well so thought I would just have that overall conversation about what's going on south of the border since we usually spend 99% of the time talking about what's going on up here in Canada All right, uh, that's going to do it for the show. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at LockedOnLeafs. I'll be back with another episode on Monday to recap the Leafs game against the Jets. Again, that goes down tomorrow. I think it's going to be a big one. Uh, The Jets certainly going to want to fight back after losing in their own barn on Thursday. It's going to be a good game. Going to be a fun one, a physical one, very playoff-esque. So make sure you're watching, and then we'll be back on Monday to break it all down. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.